something like that. So we're enjoying it. Um, Romans 10. Paul writes a letter to uh, believers living in the city of Rome. And that's, that's who this is written to. Okay, This isn't um, written to just anyone. It's written to people that believe in Jesus, that are living in the city of Rome. And the city of Rome, as you would maybe imagine, um, is a place with great ethnic diversity, economic and educational diversity. It's a city um, that is a little bit like Baltimore in that respect. Uh, there's tension. There's actually been ethnic violence uh, going on in the city. There's been economic depression and then the Roman Empire, you know, authority and power getting stronger again. Uh, there's been a lot that has happened, and uh, the believers that this is written to are also people that have experienced some discrimination uh, against them. And so uh, that's who this is written to, and he's reminding them of the truth that is so important. And this is just essential basic truth, but I think at the same time it's easy for us to forget and kind of lose sight of. You know what I mean? Hebrews 2.3 says this, How shall we overcome if we ignore so great a salvation? It is possible for us to be saved, for us to be redeemed, for us to have a forgiveness of sins and on our way to heaven, and yet really struggle needlessly in this life because we are ignoring how great our salvation is. You understand what I mean? That's possible. So Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. How many of you are grateful for that? Yes? I am grateful for that. Now, Mark, chapter 1, verse 15, you don't need to turn there, is quoting what Jesus would say over and over in different towns and different settings. Jesus would say this, Repent of your sins and believe the good news. And this word picture, the good news that Jesus would use, is to say who he is and what he means. Right? 100% God. 100% man. God showing us that he is God with us. That he understands what we go through. It's not only that, but it is also God showing us that he's not willing to allow our inadequacies, our sin, our fear, our insecurity, our doubt, our cravings, our, to do the wrong thing, to separate us from him. God's not willing to allow that to continue. God wants instead for us to know personal relationship with him. And that's why Jesus said, hey, turn around. Turn around from the direction you are going and believe the good news. Now, what is this that we're talking about? Just to refresh what we talked about last Sunday. Salvation or a fresh start. It's a second chance at life. By turning away from our sin and turning to Jesus, we're provided an opportunity to be new. How many of you are glad for that opportunity? Right? How are you glad? You're not needing to walk around carrying the old you. Right? Not needing to walk around being worried about not having been forgiven of your past. There's only two kinds of people in this room. Sinners and forgiven sinners. It's that simple. Not a one of us better than the other. You know, right? This is a church where we've come to grips with the fact that there are no perfect people. Right? 
Not a one of us. We all stand in need of this sort of fresh start. It's important for us to, to think about that. And when you really put it to simple words, we are forgiven and free for a fresh start. It would come to this realization that Jesus changes everything. Everything in our life. Now, our God, God the Creator, did not want us to go through life like a reality show person. With this insecurity, am I going to get voted off the island this week? With this fear of death, right? That is this thing of, I'm worried about, I'm insecure, I don't know my place, I don't really know, will I be in heaven? That sort of insecurity and fear is not God's will for your life. It's not. I can't go anywhere in the Bible and find that for a believer's life, God is the author of fear and confusion and doubt and insecurity. One of the pastors we have friendship with, Paul DeYoung from New Zealand, wrote a book called Isolating Insecurity. And I definitely recommend it, even though I haven't read it yet. But, you know, in listening to him talk about what's in the book, it's important for us to isolate insecurities in our life and come to a place of being solid and a place of being strong. This is not God's will for us. Right? But I think we all on some level, if we're honest, have felt this way. The new construction that's going on here is not only the remodel of this building, but it's also the new construction of two new buildings that will be added on the south side of the lot here. And you can see as you drive in and park on the south side of the building, them digging deep before they build the foundations. Such a basic part of construction. You don't just start putting wood down on dirt. It's not done, right? They're not spending multiple of millions of dollars on this property to make room for new businesses and new residences and thankfully new parking on dirt. They're digging deep and they're going to pour cement deep. God wants you to have a foundation in your life where you can feel the same measure of what we've talked about before from Paul's letter to the, the believers in Ephesus of a confident hope. How many of you would like a confident hope in your life? Right? Okay. I want to just inform those of you that are not aware, this is a church where we talk. You can talk to me. It's okay. You won't offend me. All right? All right. So what I'd like to talk about briefly is to walk through the Scripture and talk about what are evidences of salvation. Or Jesus used the word picture born again in John 3. What are evidences of salvation? How do I know if I'm saved? How, how can I, and where can I go in the Bible to dig deeper? Does that sound good? Does that sound like a good idea? Okay, number one, assurance. Blessed assurance. I've never been a, a soloist. I've been told that many times. You're not a soloist. But I do like that song. I'm also not big on hymns, but I do like that song, Blessed Assurance. Romans 8.16, Paul wrote, for His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. I don't know what your salvation experience is, was like, but if you're here this morning and you were a Jesus follower, you're a Jesus believer, you had some moment in your life where there was an awareness that you didn't have what it takes, that you needed God, that God did have what it takes, and He already gave it through Jesus that your sins could be forgiven, and therefore you could have a place in heaven. 
And in that moment, as you pray, you call out to the living God and say, God, forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. That passage that we just read from Romans 8, where you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. In that moment, there is an assurance. Yeah, God's not against feelings. Feelings. Right? God's not against feelings. God created feelings. If I read my Bible, God has feelings Himself. Some of them quite different than others. We have, at least initially at some point, and we should cultivate. Proverbs 4 says, Be diligent to guard the issues of your heart. We have in salvation an assurance. Right? An assurance. And it is the activity of God the Holy Spirit in your life. What did Jesus say before He, Iron Man, rocketed off this planet after His resurrection? He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And they're saying, but yeah, Jesus, you're like leaving the ground here. What's going on? So I will send another. Jesus, and throughout John's epistle, in John 14, you can read what Jesus had to say about God the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's activity in our lives. But one of the things that we see quite clearly is that the activity of the Holy Spirit produces in us an assurance of our salvation. Now listen, if you have now, as I'm talking about this, some measure of insecurity, some measure of doubt, but you are sure, you know that you repented of your sins. Not just said the word, but believed in your heart. You repented of your sins. You confessed faith that Jesus is all that you need. Believed it in your heart. Confessed with your mouth. You are saved. So there's no need for insecurity. But what there may be a need for is walking it out, studying it, learning more about it, doing life and community with some other people to help you grow in your assurance, to actually help you become more aware of God's presence in your life every day and to be able to hear His voice more clearly. Okay? That is something that we can all benefit from. It's actually a great reason to be in a life group. Okay? Just saying. Just saying. So it doesn't mean that you're not saved if you have a measure of insecurity, but it does mean that you can grow in that regard. Now, number two, an ability to call God Father, your Father. Galatians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul writes this, And because we are His children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba Father, or Daddy. This is a leap from the formality of the temple. Some of you know what I'm talking about. God gives us, and last week we read the scriptures about God adopting us, bringing us to himself through Jesus. Do you know that you have rights in God? As being a child of God, you have rights. Your spiritual reality is different. And one of your rights as a child of God that an unbeliever does not have is an ability to call God your Father. When I come to a place of being born again and being saved, I now can say, Daddy God, help me. Help me be more aware of you. It's one of our rights and it's a beautiful thing and it's something something that we really should be aware of. Number three, considering heaven. Okay, now that I'm born again, that I am 
of new in this measure of salvations, Colossians 3, 1 through 3, great passage of scripture here. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, I've, I've preached before on heaven. We've talked about it before. You can go back and listen to that. But it's really something that I believe a lot of Christians do not think enough about, have not read enough about, have not studied enough about, are not aware enough of this reality. Now, you may have seen this uh, illustration before, but I want to just kind of walk you through something here. What I have up here you may or may not be able to see is a, a long white rope. Okay? And we'll just think about this long white rope as the timeline of your existence. Every interaction that you have with people, every aspect of your life, everything that's going on. Right? The timeline of your life. Every experience that you have, every fear, every doubt, every victory, every promotion, getting married, having kids, whatever it is that is involved with with your life and the reality of your life, there's a timeline to it, right? There's a beginning, there's a middle and an end. If I read my Bible and I understand what my Bible has to say, this... This represents my time on earth. This part. Right here. Just this. Between my fingers. Everything else is your eternity somewhere else. I mean, if we really believe this, and I mean, if, you, and if, we, if we don't, I mean, what the heck are we doing here? But if we really believe this, this is proportionate. This is relative to our time here on earth. And if I believe what Scripture has to say, what I do with this determines the rest. How I respond to Jesus here determines the rest. And, as Jesus plainly says, after my salvation, how I spend my time, how I relate to people, I will be given account for with the rest. In fact, Even though there's kind of some question about marriage and male and female and all that stuff in heaven, what we do know is that we will recognize each other. Hopefully I'll be a little slimmer. Maybe no gray hair, I don't know. Maybe you still recognize me, right? Your personality, right? We will recognize each other and we will remember our interactions on earth. Okay? It's pretty clear in Scripture, even Jesus' story of heaven and eternity and what that's like. And so it gives me a holy respect for treating my wife well. Do I want to have massive gaps in my memory of my relationship with her? No. Do I want to have fond memories of my relationship with each of you? Yes. 
And we will have things to do as God comes and remakes the heavens and, and, and the earth, remakes the earth and the city of the living God. God's into cities and we will have projects. We will have things to accomplish. We will have things to do. There is an excitement. It's not a boredom factor. It's not a just singing praises for all of eternity. There certainly will be singing of praises and I'm hoping it'll be a little bit more exciting than this morning when we went from a five-piece band to a two-piece or three-piece band, you know, this Sunday. But all ethnicities represented worshiping God. That's what my Bible says in Revelations 5, 6, 7. In the heaven, when we give before God to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come, there certainly will be a time of worship in eternity. But that will not be the only thing that we will do. We will have new inventions. We will have new creations. We will have new things to accomplish. We will build cities. We will create new things. Read your Bible. Open up what heaven is going to be like. It's exciting. I can't wait. Now, don't run me over in the parking lot to get me there quicker. I think God has a few more things for me to do between now and then. But there should be a joy inside of you, not a dread of eternity. And honestly, I'm realistic. That may not change right here now in this moment with my words. I would encourage you, pick up Randy Alcorn's book, Heaven. Easy title to remember. Uh, Open your Bible. Read more. Consider more. But as a believer, I have eternity to consider. That heaven is before me. That no matter what pain and suffering that I face on this, this life, I will yet one day be forever united with the living God, the one true source of love, hope, peace, and joy. Doesn't that sound fantastic? The God who really invented tiramisu. (laughs) We love the chef here in Baltimore who invented tiramisu. More on that later. Yes, and he is fantastic. Number four, I am free from sin. Romans 6.14, how many of you are glad? In salvation, I am no longer compelled to sin. Do you realize that before you're a Jesus follower, you really don't have a choice? Everything that you do is sin. It just is. Guess what? You're born a baby. You're born in sin. Thank you, Adam and Eve. Right? So just relax. It's not something that you did to put yourself there. That's the human condition. And yet when I come into faith in Jesus Christ, I'm now legally free. We talked about that last Sunday, right? I'm free. I'm not bound by it anymore. I'm free. I'm skipping through the tulips Try not to step on the daisies. No longer obligated to sin. Number five, I have a newfound ability to live right. Because God enables me. Now, can I still choose wrong? Do I still have a sin nature? Sure. Am I perfect? No. But in God's eyes, there is nothing more for me to do to earn His favor. I can't earn my way to being more valuable. Which gospel are you putting your faith in? Which Jesus are you putting your faith in? When I come to faith in Christ, there is nothing I can do to earn more of His love or more of His approval. I'm His kid. It's settled. It's done. He will never love me more. And He loves me with an infinite love that does not give up on me. I could just have a moment right there. His love does not give up on me. 
Not even when I give up on me. Not even when other people give up on me. Listen, I know that I look fantastic right now, but I've not always been this way. My life has not always been like this. I have had people give up on me. For real. There are people that are still trying to figure out what happened in my life. You know why? Because it's truly a miracle. Because it's truly God. Because Jesus is life-changing. Who I was before Jesus is unrecognizable to who I am now. Relax, you don't have to be like me. (laughs) But it brings change. I was given a newfound ability to live right. Do we struggle still? Yes, that's why Paul wrote Romans 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Before we get to 8. That's why he wrote the words, I do the things I don't want to do. And I don't do the things I do want to do. What's wrong with me? Anyone out there honest enough to say that you've, right? But guess what's changed? Now you are aware. Now you don't want to do it anymore. And now you have a God-given ability to live different. Isn't that fantastic? Now, do we still need to go to the spiritual gym and develop our spiritual muscles? Yeah, we really do. Right? Is there growth? Is there new things for me to learn? Yeah. Do you think that from the the day that you come to Christ, you know everything? Heck no! Come on, get over yourself. God may be the same yesterday, today, and forever, but His tender mercies are new every morning, the psalmist writes. That means that every day I wake up, God's got something new for me. That's exciting. Not overwhelming. It's exciting. All right, all right. First John 3, 7. When people do what is right, it shows they're righteous. We understand this Bible word righteous means in right standing or in right relationship with God and with others. It shows that they are righteous even as Christ is righteous. Wouldn't our world be better if there were more Jesus believers that understood peacekeeping, reconciliation, conflict resolution. Do you know that there are skills for each of those things I just mentioned in the scripture? Believers really should be all about learning to be the best conflict resolutionist, peacekeepers. And I don't mean like in the missile or bomb peacekeeper. I mean like negotiator. We should be the best peacemakers. We shouldn't... Yeah. You hear what I'm saying? Right? We should be good at this because it's about right relationship with God and with others. Okay, I got to keep moving here. Number six, love for God and others. Okay? Now, how many of you know that before you come to faith in Christ, you really don't have a love for God? Right? It doesn't come naturally, it's not an easy thing. But once you're a believer in Jesus, a Jesus follower, You have been given a spiritual ability to love God and to love other people. I don't know about you, but before Jesus, I didn't love some people. There were some people I did not love. 1 John 4, 19. We love each other because He loved us first. Over and over in the scripture, we're given advice to when we are in relationship with each other, consider that God loved us first. 
And you know it's a little bit easier when it comes to peacekeeping, conflict resolution, and things like that. It helps to learn more about the other person. But you know what helps even more than that? Learning more about God's love for you. Because when you realize how much God loved you when He sent Jesus, it makes you grateful. And it's hard to be arrogant when you're grateful. Hello? You hear what I'm saying? When I consider what, how, what God did in forgiving my, me of my sin and freeing me from it, from habitual uh, mistakes, when I consider what His forgiveness and what His peace really means, it's easier for me to be compassionate to someone else. It's easier for me to listen. It's easier for me to think, hey, you know what? Maybe they've never known any, anything different. Maybe they've been constantly mistreated. Maybe they're not aware that life really can be different. It's easier for me to seek peace. It's easier for me to be in a posture where I am ready to forgive. When I'm considering what my forgiveness, what my salvation really means. You know what they say the most segregated hour of our country is? Sunday morning, right? The most segregated. It's when none of us wants to be with people that are different than us. Yeah, I'm going there. Look around this room. That's not us. That's not us. I've never done a TV commercial, radio ad, any advertising whatsoever that says come to multicultural church. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying we didn't do anything to create this. Now, what we are very careful to do is to avoid mistakes that can create segregated church. What I am in a process of doing is discovering and repenting of my own racism. Hello? What I'm in the process of doing is reading more, learning more, talking to more people, asking more questions. I really, when we moved here thought that you know, got this racism thing you know decently handled yeah not so much right the american church needs to repent of racism i stand here today repenting of racism i've confessed my sin before god i've asked for forgiveness And we are yet to address institutional and organizational things that perpetuate racial wrongdoing. Now, I believe we're born with ethnicity, that that's the God-given thing, and that race is really a social construct. And this is way too complex for me to be diving into right now. Kind of foolish, really. But I do believe that there are things in our country that are yet to be righted. I believe that. I believe that there are wrongs in our nation that are yet to be corrected. And I believe that Jesus believers should be at the front of that. And that one place that that starts is right here in this room. The way that we love each other. Do you predict that someone else in this room will offend you? If not, you should. At some point, if you stay in this church and you make it your home church, you're going to get offended. But what you've got to do as a Jesus follower and a Jesus believer is never take the ring off. You've got to be ready to forgive. In my marriage covenant with Rebecca, 17 plus years now, 
I'm not, she offends me. I'm not taking the ring off. I'm not taking the ring off. Because I'm saved. Because God first loved me. Because God first forgave me. And if, if we know that we are coming to this church ready to forgive the other person, ready to even maybe believe that they're not even fully aware of their own racial prejudice, and that maybe they didn't mean that that way, but that it, it takes honest conversation to resolve the conflicts and for forgiveness to be real, not just sweeping under the carpet, then we have a chance of growing together in a way that this city and this nation will talk about. Why? Because it's different. Hello? Now, I'm not saying that in Sitka, Alaska, that's 99.9% white, it needs to be multicultural, okay? I mean, but we should represent the neighborhood, right? Two-thirds to 75% of people within two miles of this location are African-American. We should not be an all-white church. It's okay. You can take a breath. Some of you are still holding your breath. Just Relax. We're in a movie theater. How bad can it get? Come on, relax. But that should be God's redemptive work actually doing something in me. Right? There should be a commitment. And when I have that commitment, it's easier for me to show up to life group or bowling or whatever it is, believing that the other person cares about me and that we're going to get along and we're going to learn more. Right? Isn't that a good thing? All right, all right. Number seven, I should have a love for God's Word. Psalm 119, a poem that's all about loving the Scripture. I pulled out of it, Oh, how I love your instructions. That comes with salvation. 1 Peter 2, verses 2 and 3. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you've had a taste of the Lord's kindness. I don't know about you, but I want to grow into the full experience of salvation. We talked about a little bit already. Number eight, when I come to a point of salvation, I have new desires. I have new cravings. It's, there's something different in me. Second Peter 1, 4. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, it, is it up there? Okay, yes, it is up there. Thank you. I hear a voice. It's exciting. Okay. And because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious promises. Studying the promises of God would be a good exercise for you this week. These are the promises that enable you to share His divine nature and escape the world's uh, corruption caused by human desires. There's new desires. Ben is going to come now and lead us into prayer. We didn't do prayer like we normally do in the middle, and so we're going to do it now. I hope that you've gleaned from this, and I'm going to um, just give room for Ben to, to wrap us up. Will you please follow his lead?